This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the Weather Lounge, your favorite go-to podcast all about weather. I'm joined again with my co-host and fellow meteorologist here at Weatherworks, Mr. Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Brad. Good to be here as always. Um, got another good podcast coming up here, and uh, you know, it's been a hot, uh, hot summer here uh, the last couple of weeks here. But we're always thinking about snow. <laughs> yes, absolutely, <laughs> always, always. It's always in the back of our minds whether we're thinking about the <laughs> upcoming winter. You know, talking about storms always. You know, as meteorologists, we're we're all the uh, the snow weenie types, of course. Um, but you know what? If you're a professional in the snow and ice industry, um, this episode is really just for you. I mean, it, at WeatherWorks, we focus, again, on so much on forecasting a winter storm and getting you the best information as quickly as possible to make these decisions. And while these forecasts are a huge asset to our clients, there's a lot more to winter operations than just weather, Mike. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right, Brad. Um, I think one of the main issues that I hear about um, or at least one of the issues that I hear about when I'm talking with uh, our clients and consultation calls during the winter time is hiring seasonal employees. Um, snow and ice removal companies need to hire enough people uh, to meet their customers' demands, and that's one of the most important things they have to do: making sure all that clear, all the snow is cleared, and all the ice is uh, treated. However, you know that's a tall task sometimes because these working conditions in, in winter storms can be quite brutal and um, you just need, the company needs the right approach here to meet their hiring goals for the season. Yeah, I mean, and, and when you think about it, there's so many variables to, to hiring. I mean, you know, how big is the storm coming? You know, how many people <laughs> do I need to work? You know, how long are the right. folks going to work? You know, it's it's so many, I mean, just like when we're forecasting, there's a lot of variables involved. And same thing goes with snow removal and, you know, employment and, uh, you know, getting rid of that snow. So uh, that's why uh, we're really looking forward to talking with our guest today uh, in our podcast. His name is Carlos Del Pozo, and he is a co-founder of Team Engine. And they are a hiring platform that helps companies build and retain their workforce. Uh, now, we'll have Carlos dive more into this and about his company. But before we do that, let's take a short break. So do not go away. Hey, everybody. Well, how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few, and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now, that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Well, welcome back, and uh, this is the Weather Lounge once again, and we have a special guest with us, and that is Carlos Del Pozo. He is from Team Engine. He's going to talk about hiring during the season of winter and, and getting snow and ice companies, um, all their seasonal workers, and their required workforce. So, Carlos, hey, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So, why don't you just tell us a little bit here about Team Engine, uh, how is it create? How was it created? How uh, founded? Uh, what are the goals going on here? Basically, uh, <laughs> give me the company in a nutshell for our listeners out there. 
yeah, who is this person and this company? <laughs> yeah. So uh, Team Engine, we're basically, we're a software company and we help companies with deskless workforces, uh, especially in landscaping and snow, but also in construction, manufacturing, and the trades. Uh, and we help them to build and retain these high-performing teams. Um, we started the company in 2018. I started with a few other folks. Uh, prior to starting this company, I had been an army officer. Uh, then after the army, I worked on acquiring a company uh, focused actually on these industries that we serve. Uh, and routinely in talking to owners and those learning about those businesses, I came across this same recurring theme, which was lots of customer demand, lots of opportunity, fundamentally constrained by labor. Uh, and thinking about myself potentially running those businesses, you know, how would I f actually solve this problem? Uh, and I didn't see a lot of great solutions, particularly I saw a huge gap from a technology standpoint where other industries were pretty well served in these, you know, in these uh, problems or topics by technology, there was a huge gap for these industries. So I uh, decided to work with some folks to solve it. And we now work with about a thousand organizations uh, and the m many of those in landscaping and snow. Your training in the, in the military must have helped in this development of this product uh, for hiring, I would imagine, right? I think uh, the way that it uh, plays into my current experience and, and you know, work with the companies that we serve is that uh, I think it comes down to empathy with the dynamic of, you know, standing knee deep in something, uh, <laughs> whether it's snow or dirt or sand and, and you know, trying to motivate folks to do good work and, and, uh, and also, you know, getting a team like the ones that, you know, we might work with in the military or you might work with in the, in the field in some of these industries and, and how do you lead them? How do you, you know, guide them? How do you make sure that they are high performing? Um, you know, I am now sitting behind a desk, you know, thinking about software, but I'm thinking about that from the perspective of how do I make this tool something that's going to, uh, you know, empower these teams and these, you know, managers and these leaders and these owners to actually take their organizations to the next level. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I definitely find opportunities to apply the experience of Ranger School to, uh, to the business, but um, it's more from like the empathy of being that person on the ground, uh, you know, getting the stuff done. Now you guys are you guys are located in Colorado, correct? We are headquartered in Colorado. That's right. But we actually have uh, a distributed team. Everybody is, you know, we got folks in working in Hawaii. We got for, folks working in the Northeast, all over the country, uh, and we're serving companies all across the country as well. Now you do do green season stuff too, then. Yeah, we're we're doing a lot of green season stuff as well. You know, the folks we work with, we do have some companies that are uh, focused on the snow season, but the majority of them are doing green in addition to snow. We have a lot of clients like that at Weatherworks too. I mean, obviously their their main focus is winter and snow removal, but you know, then they they turn the you know the knob over to the spring and you know then they're off to the landscaping, roofing, and you know what have you. But uh, it's it's you know it just goes hand in hand, but um, yeah. So, I mean, looking at the snow and ice industry though, as a whole, I mean, so what makes it so hard 
to hire these seasonal, you know, seasonable workers and, and seasonal workers, I should say. I mean, what's the, what's the hardest part about it? Uh, I mean, I, I think there are certain parts that are harder than others. I, I mean, probably the hardest part is that the work itself is inherently hard. <laughs> and, and so that makes it hard to get people who want to do it. But I think it kind of has a, a mix of, you know, a lot of the things that make just hiring uh, for something hard broadly. So the work is hard. Yes, that's, you know, uh, that's a big part of it. It's, it's outside. It's, you know, in the middle of the night. It's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not 75 degrees and sunny with a cool breeze while you're doing this work. <laughs> um, so that's inherently part of it. But and, also and just like, I was going to say, and you're at the mercy of Mother Nature. I mean, it, it's you can't just schedule. Oh, I'm going to work nine to six all this week because exactly. you know that's what I'm. You know, if it's snowing at two a.m., you got to go clear the lot. You know, that's that's what time you got. And just like us, you know, we can't work nine to six. I mean, a lot of our shifts are very, very dependent upon what's going on with storm systems. I mean, Mike and I, you know, we can probably tell you how many 2 a.m. shifts we did in the last like five to ten years it's just you know. uh yeah we don't have to talk about how many of those occurred <laughs> or have lost track of those by this point yeah <laughs> yeah and and that's the other piece is that this is seasonal work i mean and so it's right you know if you're looking for work what do you want you want you know consistency you want you know your your minute to minute your day-to-day to be uh you know relatively comfortable depending on who you are uh uh, and at the same time, you know, it's not just that it's, you know, only a certain part of the year when you're going to have this work, but to your point, you're basically on call 24 seven during that time, time of year. So it's just, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of the things that make a job just, you know, a little less attractive for folks. And so when it, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, actually hiring or attracting folks to this role, those are the things you have to keep in mind that you need to offset or mitigate uh, to make it an attractive role for folks. So for me, Carlos, um, I used to work in the landscape industry and I did snow plowing. I did snow shoveling, you know, you name it. I've, I've been on that side of the coin also. Now for me, I, I was a young guy. I, I might've been in my early twenties and, you know, shoveling snow or something i was just like i just need some money you know that's that's what was motivating me but it doesn't all come down to you know needing some money for whatever bills you got to pay um so what are some strategies that you guys suggest to keep that worker motivated who's going to be out there like you said in the middle of the night uh sub freezing wind chills and just you know humping the snow basically yes, <laughs> just absolutely. shoveling and shoveling hey now this is a this is a g-rated show mike yeah i didn't mean <laughs> it in that in that way i meant um just you know working hard through the snow basically yeah absolutely yeah i mean in terms of you mentioned pay and uh obviously like pay is part of it but you know that's one thing that we we broadly see there's um there's both a, a, an important as well as a positive shift in the mindset of successful employers around pay or more broadly around how they position their work. So, uh, you know, pay is absolutely a piece of this. Um, you need to have fair pay benefits, you know, that transactional component of the job needs to be there, but you have to think 
the sort of like the mindset shift that that we see folks making that succeed and that we you know try to uh, encourage others to make is to move beyond a transactional mindset about their workforce um, because you know it, it leads to a better workforce but also just in today's labor environment it's not enough uh, you know the dynamic is no longer one where you pay somebody you know the field of dreams for your workforce you, you pay them they will come uh, that is not the case anymore uh, and that's not just in snow that's like in all of these industries um, so you need to have the pay component there um, but what we encourage folks is to have it be fair we don't we don't encourage folks to be like the highest paying or you know to try to attract solely on the on the basis of financial compensation uh, one because we don't think that's actually the most effective but it, to actually attract people but also two it makes for like an unsustainable workforce because if you are attracting the folks who are just always looking for the you know the highest dollar amount that is not a sustainable defensible advantage for your company so that's like that's just the first piece um that going beyond that something like what i was talking about earlier if you think about some of the things that are tough about this job that make it hard to you know recruit for one of those is just you know that it's like inherently like very uncomfortable and so how can you uh how can you offset that and one of the key ways you can do that is by making sure that you have good equipment the right equipment uh for your team um so you you're making sure to the extent that you can uh that you're giving them the right tools for the job to do the job and also the right tools in terms of you know um you know making sure that they're as warm as possible and you know they have like a closed cab and stuff like that to make sure that they can be comfortable and and that goes a long way carlos because i gotta tell you if i ran into a snowblower that didn't want to start or <laughs> a, a a shovel that was really subpar compared to somebody else's um i know it sounds minuscule but that stuff yeah. really grinds <laughs> your gears <laughs> uh when you're already out there and and you, you want stuff to function properly yeah absolutely yeah i mean and one of the things is like in the military is you learn to like a, you know you trust your equipment and if you can't trust your equipment and you're you know you're out there uh at your site doing your work and you can't rely on your equipment to be working it's you know one it's a bummer if it's just not as good as it could be but then if you like you know it's it's gonna also be a major disruption right i mean you want to be as, as efficient well. as you can when it's you know 15 degrees out <laughs> yeah absolutely and that's probably why a key component would be you know keeping those pieces of equipment maintained properly absolutely maintenance is absolutely key um i think one of the other ones is just uh, and this one is tough to do and sort of nuanced and takes a longer, you know, uh, term investment, but just having a high quality team, people, you know, high quality people want to work with high quality people. One of the things that we see is that, um, you know, folks tend to stay at a company longer if they enjoy the folks that they're working with uh, and if they like feel like they're part of a community. So that to the extent that you can create that kind of sense, uh, that will attract people to the team, uh, that will uh, motivate your team to attract people onto the team, and then that will allow you to keep those people around as well. So I just, it, you know, it's tough. I say it's tough because like when you are kind of have your 
back up against the wall and you need more folks, you might cut some corners and say, I just need anybody. Um, but, and, and, you know, you got to balance the like short term with the long term there, because that's going to be a, the short term benefit is going to be you have that person, but the long term cost may be, you know, overall degrading the quality of your team. So it's something important to be thinking about. Uh, and the last piece I'll mention is just uh, marketing your job. Uh, you know, a lot of folks I see go out there trying to hire for these roles. They don't market the job. They just tell about the job. Uh, but inherently recruiting and retention is, you know, just the same as sales and marketing. It's just for a different end result. Uh, and so you need to apply some of the same approaches to that hiring and recruiting and retention process that you might uh, when you're going out and selling and marketing. Is, is there, are there ways that you can make, like, like you said earlier, some of these jobs are really tough. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is there seems like there's some negative, but are there ways to, you know, when, when you put out the, the job description, are there ways to kind of entice people or make it more attractive than others or something like that? Yeah. Um, I th so I, this is something that one of our partners, Neil Vlatt, talks about is, is the way that he, in hiring for, you know, tons of uh, folks for Snow, uh, thought about positioning the role. It wasn't, you know, you don't lead with, hey, you're going to be, you know, sh you know, shoveling, you know, knee deep in snow, you're going to be freezing, you're going to be, you know, you need to lift 100 pounds. Uh, and it's, a, it's important to make sure that they do, but, but you don't want to lead with that. You know, you want to lead with like the ways that you can motivate somebody about the mission and the, the job. They're going to be doing and so he tells a you know a great story about uh how he would talk about hey like the work that we do uh you're gonna be shoveling like a parking lot at a pharmacy well you know whether you do your job or not and the quality of the job you do determines whether you know some folks in our community are going to be able to even get their medications and that is one of the things that i think is like very interesting and compelling about snow is that you know really you are uh the line between whether infrastructure and whether like community services are available to the community or not, you can you really have an impact on whether just stuff works and you know people can get to hospitals or get to work or not. So you know, wouldn't you rather be getting up at you know in the middle of the night to go make sure that uh, you know grandma can make it to the pharmacy to get? Her prescription. Uh, if, if that was your mission, versus show up with your shovel, you know, have a smile, you know, have a smile on your face, and get to shoveling. That's, you know, there's a big difference between the two. And you can see the same sort of parallel when it comes to landscaping, lawn care, and that kind of addition too. Because when I used to do that. You know, you have people who might be in their 80s. Um, they can't do their lawn, but they used to really like to keep it meticulous and very nice and, and cut short every time. So when you can provide that service for somebody and they really do appreciate how nice it looks. Uh, and, you do and it their how, way. Yeah, it makes them Yeah, happy. and how it keeps their property looking as good as it can. Um, I think there's a lot of reward in that. Um, for the employee to see that, hey, look at this great job I did, and the customer is super happy, 
And it's probably important in, in your strategy too to to let those employees know how much they're worth and, and how uh how much gratitude the customer is, you know, giving to you saying, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's something that is also part of like the, the shift in mindset about some of this work that we see and that we think is really positive Uh, a little bit. It was a little bit accelerated during like lockdowns and COVID because this concept of, you know, essential workers surfaced or became like sort of a, a term that, that we recognized and understood. And I think prior to that, you know, uh, there were some folks who thought about this work as essential, as, you know, fundamental to like the, the functioning of just society and our communities. Um, but that was really accelerated when we realized that we could not have these folks, you know, staying at home. They had to be out there doing this, this work. And we see that again, some of the most successful employers are the ones that they, they recognize and they treat the work that their teams are doing as truly something that is like, you know, professional and something that they should be proud of, you know, landscaping and green teams who, who ask their teams to submit, you know, photos of the work they've done and they're going to have a, you know, a best lawn uh, of the week, you know, contest or like best hardscape contest. And, uh, and it's, you know, so that those teams, you know, feel an accountability for the work they're producing, but also that they can have pride and uh, that sense of ownership in the work that they've done and it elevates their the work that they do. Um, and, you know, again, snow is is absolutely, you know, just making sure that stuff works. You see that eight foot snow pile in that parking lot? I did that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> You see how tall that thing I made is? That pile. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a different product, which is basically like there's nothing there, but it's uh, versus something, but it's the the end result is the same. Not to keep jumping back to my prior experience, but I remember when I was in high school working um, with the lawn care guys. It, it was a, a group of I had a group of uh, four friends that we all worked at the same place. So one, you had that great camaraderie. Um, with the employees and with the workers, because we were all buddies and we all hold each other accountable if something looked bad um, because, <laughs> because we were friends. Be like, dude, are you kidding me with that sidewalk? You couldn't put a better yeah. edge on that. Yeah. Um, and then it was, uh, it was the same thing where we would keep each other accountable and I said, and also have pride in our work and, and say, Hey, um, hey, Tom, let's just say, um, look at that edge I just put on that sidewalk. Do you see yeah. how straight and vertical that is? Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, so then we would, like you said, it was almost like you said submitting the pictures, what's the best looking lawn and, and all that. So it was almost the same sort of idea where I bet you couldn't edge it as well as that, you know, or I bet you couldn't, you know, stripe a lawn as good as that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, and that's same, another thing yeah. is that when you're like when you go out to attract a team, and again, why like pay is important and uh, but not sufficient is um, you want to have folks who have like a similar uh, mindset and value system, and so you want to to figure out what that is for your company and then and then package it and market it. 
so that you're like, hey, here's what we're about. You know, here's like the work that we've done. You know, here's our team uh, spending time together at a cookout. Like, here's like the community that we have. That's what you want to lead with. Uh, you don't want to lead with this job is going to be a big bummer. Like, I mean, it's, you know, because at the end of the day, it's not going to be uh, if you have like the right mindset about it and the right and the right team. But I think a lot of, I think that the reason why you still see job descriptions like that, you still see folks posting, hey, this is like, you know, you got to be able to lift 100 pounds. You got to be able to like get up in the middle of the night. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons. One is that people fundamentally don't understand the difference between a job description and a job ad. So they advertise the job the way that they describe the job. And the and the, the way that you describe the job is meant to like inform who you should hire. But that's not like the same as a job ad. A job is meant to go out and attract that person. Uh, so I think that's one person is that one reason is that people create like an internal HR document and then they go put it on the internet. And that's just like not not a good approach. And, and I think the second reason is that I think folks have, uh, hiring managers and employers have been kind of burned by, you know, hiring folks who turned out to not work out. And one of the big reasons that they often don't work out because it seems like they didn't actually understand, like, the nature of the job. So they basically, like, throw their hands up, you know, they, they, they flip the table and they just say, I'm just going to tell them how much it you know, how hard it is. And I'm going to lead with that. And if they're still wanting to do it, you know, then that's the person I, I want to hire. Um, but I would just like ask them, you know, in a, in a constrained tight labor market, you know, the person who goes for that approach versus, you know, the community approach, the like pride in your work approach, the like, you know, hey, we're going to give you opportunities for advancement. You know, we're going to, that, that approach, you know, who are you going to be left with? coming and and applying for that job you might have some good folks but i think you're going to miss out on a lot of good ones what about like age groups i mean is, what's the differential there i mean are we talking like you know, like mike was talking about back in his college kids and then maybe i mean what what were the differences i mean do you see a, a a vast difference between maybe like the the 20 to 25 year old and there's a gap to maybe uh, you know the, the mid-age people then even maybe some retired people that i mean is is that is there any kind of linkage with all that? You know, the, the thing about uh, employment is you want to make it a, an opportunity for, for everybody. Um, but then what you see is in, in different places, you know, just the composition of like the labor market in that location could change. So if you're, you know, if you're hiring in a college town, you're going to have a lot of folks of a, of a college age. Uh, if, you're, if you're not, you're going to have a slightly different composition of workforce. Um, and so I, I think like, you know, individual companies can each think about what they're like sort of, you know, uh, uh, where they tend to do best in finding applicants and they can tailor their strategies to that. Uh, they can kind of like work backwards from, you know, who, what their most successful, you know, employee like profile could be. But one of the things that we really encourage folks to, to do is I think a lot of folks have like a, a preconceived notion about like what that person looks like uh but they haven't really sat down to think through and when i say look like you know what their characteristics are their age all this kind of stuff not necessarily like you know what actually what they look like i mean like what are what are like the you know demographics of that person and i think that if 
people are just uh, have that idea and it's not based on actually like sitting down and thinking about it. It's just based off of a, a sort of like a viewpoint that's evolved over time. But if they sat down and really thought about uh, thought about it, they might come to a different conclusion about how they should go out trying to source applicants. So Carlos, um, I guess the big question here is how do you hire these people? What are the steps to take um, to hire these seasonal workers or best practices or whatever you would like to call it? Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about just like how you think about attracting them. So this is, you know, thinking more about now that you've attracted them, uh, like what, what do you do? So one of the, th- okay, there's a, a number of things that we recommend that uh, apply to snow, some of which, many of which also generally recommend for these other industries um, as well. The The first one is just to, you know, make the process uh, accessible. Uh, and so what, what do I mean by that? Um, it's not uncommon that you'll go and look at a, a website for a company and maybe go to their careers page and, you know, look at the careers page, get join to, our team. Yeah. Yeah. The join our team page and you get to the bottom there and it's time to apply. And then you get this like laundry list of stuff that you're asking somebody to tell you about, like where they went to high school, you know, where they went to college, like, give me like your last 10 jobs, you know, uh, tell me, you know, uh, answer this prompt that would go on a, you know, application for admission to Harvard. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of folks are putting that on there because that's what they think they should be doing again, because they're, you know, they're looking to what sort of the the normal thing is, but, you know, really for these roles, there's not a lot of like qualification in many cases that, that you might be looking for. Yeah. You might want somebody who has experience. You might want somebody who's, you know, uh, if they're going to drive, they need to have a driver's license and a clean you know record and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but you want to make it as easy as possible for those folks to at least raise their hands and identify themselves to you uh, so that you can engage with them. So that's the first. The second piece is we, again, thinking back to applying sales and marketing principles to hiring and recruiting, there's this concept of speed to lead. So if you have somebody coming in as a lead and wanting you know, to be a customer, maybe you want to get in touch with those folks as soon as possible. And we find that, you know, businesses and business owners pretty generally understand this and and believe it. But when it comes to an applicant coming through the door, they're fine to wait three days, five days to get back in touch with that person. And the fact is, is that, again, you just don't have that time. You got to get in front of that person fast because the odds are is that they're not just applying for to work for you they're applying to work for a bunch of other folks and in these industries your competition isn't just like the other folks who do snow your competition is retail restaurants hospitality you know you're up against you know construction the manufacturing jobs that we talked about you just, it's just there's so much uh, other opportunity for those folks that they would qualify for so you just can't be sitting there you know, uh, saying, well, if they really want the job, they're still going to be here three days later because they're not, uh, unless there's a reason that, like, they haven't been scooped up already. So that's two. The the third is um, you want to, you know, try to give yourself some lead time uh, before when you're going to need these folks. So you want to start uh, building a, a bench in advance. 
And actually what we recommend is that you should be cultivating a bench all year, all year round um, and thinking about how you might go about that. So many of the companies that are doing snow removal or, you know, they're doing, uh, they're doing green stuff in the, the rest of the year. Uh, and so obviously like that leads to a good, you know, uh, bench of talent to transition over into snow. But in addition to just like your normal team, you have the opportunity to, as you're going and hiring throughout the year, to be identifying folks who may not come onto the team in the green season, but could be good fits for the rest, for the, for the snow season. But a lot of companies, what they do is they open a job, they get an applicant, they don't hire that person, they forget they ever existed. And I think that's, that's a huge miss for, for companies in these industries. Because these companies are fundamentally running in local markets, you know, you you're not you're not thinking about your talent pool, potential talent pool as you know, everybody in America. You're thinking about everybody within like a certain radius of where you do work. And if you think about it, uh, that pool of talent is potentially you can get pretty close to like knowing a lot of that pool over time. Um, and so if you're just transactionally you know, looking at a resume, tossing it out the door, you're missing out on opportunity to build out your own bench and database of folks who over time you can nurture and, and potentially attract to come work in, in snow season. But also that you know, could be the path to somebody else. You know, like if you, know, if you can send out a message to those folks letting them know, hey, we're looking for people to work in the snow season. Maybe that person doesn't become a uh, somebody on the team, but maybe they know, yes, that is your that is your entry point into this whole network. And, and so if you're just thinking about like one resume, in, out, hire or not, there's just such a compounding opportunity that you're missing. Yeah, word of mouth uh, is one of the best ways absolutely. <laughs> things go around, yeah. that's for sure. Absolutely, and that's the other piece is just, you know, you need to ask for referrals. Um, you know, this, the, the thing about this work is because it is not necessarily, you know, nine to five every day, it's, it potentially can be something that somebody can do in addition to another job. And so if you have somebody that you're hiring onto the team or bringing onto the team, uh, it's a really good idea to ask them who else they might know, because they, they might know other folks who did not themselves apply, but because they're not looking, because they say, I have a job but would be great fits and be very excited to do this kind of work. So referrals are key. And as you know, as you mentioned, it's just also, uh, it makes the work potentially better and keeps people around longer if they bring those folks onto the team. I guess um, my big hurdle, I guess, with the seasonal, the wintertime workers is um, there's always that chance that there's not much work to go around if it's not very snowy. So that's a huge hurdle for these seasonal workers that they don't have that steady work. So yeah, so what are your strategies to try to combat something like that happening? What should companies be doing to reassure people that, you know, hey, it's going to be okay kind of thing? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a tough it's a tough thing because it may be the case that it's not going to be okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I was at an industry event earlier this year and especially talking to folks, um, you know, in like the kind of mid Atlantic, uh, you know, ish area. Um, 
you know, they hadn't had much going on. Yeah. And it hasn't been great for Snowfall. Though. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> so it, the thing is, I think, I don't know that there's a way to really, you know, truly like guarantee sugarcoat that. Yeah. The things. But, but I think that you can, again, you know, acknowledging that this is part of it, um, you know, one of, one of the things about, you know, the fact that this is a seasonal work, it, it means that you have a workforce who is going to need other work at some time frame. And, and for many of these companies, they can provide that in other seasons because they are, you know, doing landscaping in the other seasons. But maybe they're not going to be able to do that during this season. So, um, you know, you want to, uh, I would just generally recommend that people think creatively about how they can do that. And especially in a constrained labor environment where, uh, just companies need people. Maybe there's an opportunity to collaborate with, you know, other companies uh, to provide, you know, uh, some way to provide uh, assurance and and to add value for your employees, uh, even if it's not through your work and the pay that they're you're going to be providing. But you know, maybe finding other folks who could be complementary to the work that you're doing in the schedule later on, uh, and would be able to provide work for those folks as well. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying a little bit about, you know, there's other seasons that provide more steady work. So maybe that's some sort of enticement that, hey, you know, hang on, you know, we'll have more work for you once the green season starts. Um, you know, if you're doing a good job here, you're always on time, you know, even though it's the middle of the night, you know, maybe they're one of the people who you bring on once the green season hits. Um, and then you can't have almost n- normal hours for, you know, several months <laughs> because you can't do much at night then. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. But that, all this sounds uh, really great. I hope a lot of our uh, uh, snow and ice contractors, if they are listening, that uh, they're getting some good tips. Um, I mean, this, this conversation has been great so far, as far as I can tell from a company standpoint. So you guys are hitting the nail on the head, it seems, at Team Engine. Yeah, no, we uh, we we work with a, a lot of folks in the in the industry, like I mentioned, and we don't only uh, help with the hiring piece, but also we find that you know uh, once you have folks on the team, especially for snow, it's really important to be able to communicate and engage with that team quickly and on short notice to get availability, to build up your roster, to alert folks of a, a, an event. And then when it comes time for the event to actually make sure they're getting to where they need to be. And, you know, we support both of those uh, challenges in these cases for the folks we work with. And like Mike said earlier, you know, when he was just with his buddies and they were still working and doing their good jobs and kind of, you know, poking at each other when somebody, it's a camaraderie, I think, when you do get on a team like that. And, 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 you know, you can go have a beer at the end of the week when it's quiet and things like that. And you talk to your, your friends and, you know, they become friends of people that you work with. And, you know, it's it's just like anywhere else. And, and you want to be a part of a team like that. And I think that that also helps a lot people staying around. And maybe if maybe if they do take a break in the summer, they don't stay there. Then they can come back for the next winter. And because I did that actually in college, I worked at a ski area. In the, in the wintertime. And, you know, I, I didn't do anything much in the summer, but I always come back in the winter and, you know, I see the same kind of people and it's kind of neat. Yeah. And the, to the extent that you can nurture that that team in the off season and build the bench for that team in the off season, I think that's one of the, one of the big things is that, um, 
you, the most successful companies are not just thinking about, okay, flip the switch, it is now snow season. They're thinking about uh, snow season year round. You know, champions uh, are, are made in the off season and they are, they are thinking that way. They're thinking about building the bench. They're thinking about cultivating and engaging their team uh, in advance of the off of the snow season. They're seeing who's going to be around available and remind them that, you know, there's going to be all these opportunities asking them to, you know, start looking for ideas of other folks who can join the team. Uh, and so if you're taking that approach, uh, thinking about it in the long term uh, and building up a continuous process, uh, it's going to, it's going to pay dividends. So, uh, Carlos, uh, you mentioned bench a few times so that kept me, bringing me back to, uh, uh, grow the bench and snow fighters and, and, and those teams. And I know you work kind of hand in hand with those, uh, companies. So explain that dynamic there. Um, you know, how do you help them? And, you know, is it events that you collaborate on? Uh, how does, how does that work? Yeah, we collaborate on events. Um, you know, we we like to attend stuff that Grow the Bench and uh, Snowfighter Institute is is putting on. Um, we we also like to be at events that they are also attending. So you know, SIMA or you know uh, other industry events as well. Um, and and I think the role that we play is you know we work with companies. Uh, we sort of help the same types of companies. Uh, but in different ways. And, you know, we can't, you know, uh, train a team on how to uh, train a company, how to build a sales team. You know, that's going to be Neil all day long. And in fact, I believe he's recording a webinar uh, right this minute that uh, with some other folks on my team about that. Yeah, no, Neil Glatz, uh, he's great. And we, we do a lot with him also. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been a, a, a you know, associated with a uh, great consultant. Yeah. Great consultant for weatherworks for as long as I've been there. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, almost every year, you know, you talk to Neil at some point and, you know, he was actually at our, um, before, winter, seminar. winter seminar. Yeah. He really went through, um, all the ins and outs of what snow contractors are thinking about, you know, starting from bids and, and all the way through the operations and after the storm and, and, and billing. Um, so, you know, it was really good for our meteorologists to get a, an all around perspective of what snow and ice contractors are dealing with, uh, on a day to day so that we can understand that it's not just the weather, um, aspect of things that they're concerned about. There's all other <laughs> phases that they're thinking. Um, so it was really nice to talk to Neil about that. And now, Carlos talking with you um, about the the hiring and the strategies and stuff like that. I see how that goes uh, kind of together. Absolutely. Um, it's just like a big bridge well. between all the gaps between what we do, Mike, and what Carlos does and what Neil does. And it's all under one big umbrella, basically. <laughs> but, you know, all these little parts to it, I mean, it's what makes it all run and, and smooth. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, running one of these businesses is – it's it's tough and uh and there's a lot that goes into it and you know it's it's a pleasure to be uh a company and part of a community of of folks who are finding ways 
to enable these businesses to really you know succeed and and do great work uh and it's not just a pleasure to serve these businesses but also to you know stand shoulder to shoulder with others who are trying to do the same thing in different ways so you must take pride in when you hear about that from other you know from folks oh yeah we had a great hiring session or we had a great hiring uh, season you know for this upcoming winter thanks for all you guys do i mean it's like you know I like to hear that stuff, obviously, just like when we like to hear clients say, oh, the forecast was spot on. You know, you guys nailed it. That's all great stuff. It's just, you know, you like to hear that from the folks that you're actually helping and, and working for. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, it's all about, you know, creating value. Um, and that's how we we do all is by by doing good for for the folks who depend on us. So, uh, Carlos, we're about wrapping up here with the podcast. Um I'm sure there's people out there listening to this um, who want to get more information um, about what Team Engine does, um, where they're going to be at events or something. So let our listeners know, hey, uh, where can I find more information and, uh, you know, where can we find you guys? Yeah, well, uh, you can look us up on the web at teamengine.io. The .io is uh, very important. Um, there's a bunch of information there about what we do, but the thing that I really want to direct folks to is there's a button on the top, uh, linked to some resources. And if you go in there, you're going to find a, a bunch of stuff that we've pulled together, whether that we've authored ourselves or that we have collaborated with folks like, you know, Neil and Phil and, and others on, uh, to make available, uh, for companies in these industries. So there's, uh, for example, there's a package of job descriptions for landscaping and snow on there. There's a checklist for where you should go to post your jobs. There's um, just a bunch of other stuff on there like that that is totally free um, and could be quite helpful for uh, for the folks out there. It must be the hardest part for a lot of folks. Just where, where do I start? I mean, wh- yes. where can I, you know, find info on this? I mean, and then once you get to that part, it's, you know, it sounds like you guys just take from there and make it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and we because we work with you know so many different um, organizations, we we get to see kind of really what works um, and develop a point of view about what the best practices are. And so we try to do our best to you know both package those in the software that you know folks use if they become a customer, but also uh, make those available through those different resources on the website. Um, so that, you know, cause a lot of folks, um, you know, whether it's like trying to hire uh, for these roles, they're probably not a professional recruiter or, you know, they're not a professional HR person even necessarily. So where do they start? We want to make sure that they can get to at least, you know, uh, a really good starting point so that they don't have to start from scratch. Great. And I just, uh, visited your teamengine.io uh, site and saw, uh, under resources, 113 ways to find employees. So <laughs> right there, I'm looking at that and saying, well, that seems interesting. Yeah. Right? Well, if you've listened <laughs> right. to this, I've tried to give you just a few of the, you know, really strong starting points, but yeah. if you find yourself, uh, you know, wanting more, there is a uh, 108 more there on the website. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, just just what everybody needs, of course. Um, so, um, well, Carlos, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. And thank you all. Thanks for having me. It's been a good time. I, I, I liked reminiscing a little bit about my uh, past. Uh, <laughs> um, um, well, it's highly relevant. Right, exactly. You know, so that's why I kind of 
kind of connected right away with that. But, um, but uh, yeah, uh, thanks again. And uh, that's it for our podcast uh, for this week. Remember, we'll have a new podcast every two weeks. Find us on any of your podcast streaming platforms that you may have or apps. Weatherworks is our parent company, and you can find us um, at weatherworksinc.com and also on any social media platform. Um, So search us out on there. So that's it for our episode, and we'll see you again very soon.